Hello, and welcome to our podcast, What Makes Them Tip, innovations that changed everything, where we hear from business leaders and entrepreneurs about the moment, insight, or inspiration that made everything possible, and ultimately push them over the tipping point. I'm Mike Strada, founder and CEO of Arcalea, where we inspire business change by introducing data science, formal analytics, and provide implementation for marketing. Moneyball for growth-oriented businesses, we say success is now a science. Stay with us, and at the end of the show, we'll share how you can be the next guest on one of the fastest-growing podcasts in the industry. And with that, let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to What Makes Them Tip, innovations that changed everything. I'm Jeff, and as always, I have the privilege of talking to amazing people doing amazing things and truly innovating in their particular entrepreneurial space. And today, we're going to talk with a man who went from paramedic firefighter to heading up a successful company in the communications technology space. Please welcome the COO of Select Communications, Jason Price. Welcome, Jason. Hey, Jeff. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Having a great day. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we are grateful to have you with us here today, and we want to hear all about your journey. But first, give us a little uh, insight as to what Select Communications does. I mean, at, at, its, at its simplest, we are like personal shoppers for technology. So uh, a, a company can come to us with a specific set of problems, and we can essentially line up um, solutions for, and, and those can sometimes be, um, you know, maybe they're collaborative, maybe they're, you know, looking to decrease the cost around um, storing and, and managing some of their own hardware like servers. And maybe they're trying to consolidate multiple network locations, you know, their offices all being on different sort of network um, uh, infrastructures. They want to get all that under one concentrated sort of service level agreement and all that kind of stuff, we can essentially sit down with someone with business problems to solve and keep them away from sometimes the shiny, but not quite as good as it might sound um, solutions. We can give them real intelligence around what some of these carriers have done in the space, um, what kind of story they've told over the last you know five to 10 years, who they've acquired, who's acquired them, the stuff that you don't see typically printed on one pagers or leave behinds. Mm. And uh, we're partners. So we sit down with these customers. We, we don't charge them for the service and we essentially put the best and sometimes the most niche uh, products and, and carriers in front of them for a thorough evaluation. And we do volume business with all of the carriers. So essentially you're going to get pricing. You might not get on your own just because you're, you know, you're one of our customers. Yeah. So a little, a little bit of communications, technology, some IT, security, things like that. So all those um, things. Yeah. So I teased at the beginning that you got your start as a paramedic firefighter. So I really need to know how you went from fighting fires to helping put didn't up every, firewalls. <laughs> did, <laughs> didn't everybody do that? I Sometimes people ask my partner and I like, how'd you get started? Well, like everybody else got started. We got started in an ambulance. We actually <laughs> were partners uh, working a uh, 911 um, ambulance down in, in Sacramento for, for a good portion of the my youth. Um, and I mean, his journey was interesting because he decided at one point he was almost through nursing school and he thought, yeah, I don't think this is for me. And I remember thinking like, and I think at that time I'd finished the fire Academy and I was licensed as a paramedic and, you know, I was knocking down an easy 52 K a year, just kind of in charge of the world. And, and, uh, he's like, I think I'm going to do something else. And I just thought like, what else is there? And he says to me, he goes, I, I'm, I'm going to go into technology or into sales. And I was like, who, who are those people? Like, I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> but, uh, it, you know, I, 
my journey kind of took me towards education. I really liked presenting to people. I really liked coming up with ways to, you know, how do we do this better? How do we do this more? And that's not really the, the fire service is not the home of innovation. I mean, they are steeped in tradition and that's mm, what they're most sure. passionate about. So when you walk in and go, why don't we do it this way? It's a pretty quiet room. Um, mm. But, you know, I, I was more about like the way we're training first responders, paramedics. Can we change that? So we brought a lot of technology and simulation technology to make those experiences more um, organic and get better sort of reaction out of people, make it a more meaningful use of their time. And that's what started me into, you know, more of a corporate type role. I started my own business. And then, you know, from there kind of uh, the techno, I think I've always been a nerd and sure. it just didn't show up until later in life. Yeah. Well, tell us about that first business then. What was that like? So, so going from uh, obviously being in the ambulance to just, yeah. Were you working from home? Like how did that, how did that happen? So um, nurses and, and paramedics and EMTs and, and physicians uh, they have these like recurring credentials that they do almost like uh, renewing your driver's license. So every two years they have to come in at the, at its core, they have to prove they, they can still do CPR. And then, then there are uh, modules to that that are advanced for, so, so like the advanced practitioners have to be able to run a full arrest, a full cardiac arrest um, kind of by themselves. They have to know exactly the steps and all the medications and all the dosages and all the, you know, and those skills get tested every other year. And it's, you know, I, I always felt like, you know, gosh, you've pulled these folks in, they're, they're not in front of patients anymore. What an opportunity to kind of like challenge them and give them something new and exciting and, and give them some strange case that they have to figure like Dr. Houset, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. And uh, it was, it turned out to be more like an assembly line, like check the box. They did this, check the box. So I started a business that really almost like a concierge uh, resuscitation business that brought people in, put them in padded chairs, catered lunch, and I, you know, I made it more of a niche experience and mm. it really resonated well. Cause again, they were forced to take the classes. So it was like, you can take it in a plastic chair or you can, you know, take it with like my bougie <laughs> <laughs> recertification. And, and that's how it started. And then we started getting hospital contracts and so on and so forth. So we became the outsourced training vendor to pretty much every hospital system in Sacramento. Wow. And then, so what was, what, so what was next? I mean, obviously that you did that for how long? Yeah, I, that, that, probably around nine years. And I, I think one of my challenges is I'm, I like to summit, you know, once I get to the top, I look around, I go, okay, you know, now what? And <laughs> uh, I was kind of looking for what you know, what's next. And what was interesting is I had sold my company to a larger company that had multiple locations across multiple States. And my charge was to grow and expand uh, that business. So we were now opening offices in different states and, you know, moving offices from older locations into new one and sometimes like redesigning them. And we ripped out all the old technology because we were literally using like in-service, really old, but in-service cardiac defibrillators that could and actually did melt a couple mannequins. Mm. Uh, so I was like, we've got to come up with ways that are safer and, you know, a little bit more, you know, in time with the current technology. So uh, I started doing that. And that's when I started to learn that, you know, running a business and expanding your technology footprint is very complicated in a sense that, you know, every carrier you talk to says, oh, yeah, 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 we do that. We do that. You know, and they all pretend as though they are the only solution out there. And then it's not until you're down the road a bit, a bit 
before you feel like, oh, you know, maybe they overpromised a little bit. So I learned a lot, sadly, just at the hand of what I think is a totally broken sales process uh, mm. around software as a service and those types of things. So I was really scratching my own itch. And uh, that's when I decided, you know, there's there's a market here just to partner with business decision makers. And man, are they happy to have us in the room. They're just so... Like I was going to do an RFP and then I was going to read all these proposals and go, I don't know, I guess these guys are, you know, this is cheaper. And I mean, to have somebody in the industry that says, "Mm -mm, you don't want to do them, their their international footprint is terrible. Or yeah, they've had six outages last quarter. It's not who you want to work with. I mean, it's just like, oh, thank God. So that's how it kind of started. So you do a lot of the homework for for the companies in advance and just come into the to consult and advise at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. And I think what's a little bit different about our model too is, you know, our folks aren't salespeople. They're really technical advisors. They're there mm-hmm. to say, you know, this versus that, and then let you decide who you want to work with and, you know, let the carrier still present themselves to you. Uh, and then we have a team of folks that can circle around after the contract signed and they can make sure that things land smoothly, that promises are kept. And then if there, for some reason, there is an issue, we can escalate, you know, your issues right up to the top and get things solved. Because that's the other thing I see too, you know, telecommunications doesn't have what I would say a stellar relationship uh, with its customers. I mean, they don't Mm. get, you don't see a lot of five-star ratings on your cell phone company, right? So, I mean, Mm. there's a lot of these, you know, they, they invest all of their, their, you know, capital into making the product great. And then afterwards, you know, they, they do their best, but we're there to just make sure that things don't get stuck in the weeds. That's great. So then I have to ask then now that you're running your own business uh, or, or, you know, I have been for a while and now with select communications, you know, when you're a paramedic and a uh, firefighter, you have to respond to emergencies. So you have to think quickly on your feet. Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you're putting out real fires. Um, yeah, true. Now that you're uh, in as a, you know, a COO, tell me, does some of that experience come? Do you think that helps you now that you're able to like respond to the same kind of fire drills? Different or different kind of fire drills now, but uh, uh, what 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 has that training uh, helped you in your uh, current position? I, I love that question. Um, so yes, in a couple sense senses. First is um, I'm pretty unflappable. Like unless somebody's literally going to die, you know, we'll be all right. We'll get through <laughs> it. Um, and the other is, you know, business is about relationships. Business is about how well you can connect with another another person and sort of get them to see what you're about, more so than just what your whatever your product is, right? And um, having stories to tell, and I've got stories. I mean, that's the thing, Jeff. Like, I've got stories. I can we can sit at a dinner. And I can I can tell you this one time, and it's strange because very few people that I've worked with that are in executive roles look at me and say like, why are you here? Like you have no business being in this conversation because you used to do that. I mean, I think we all realize that you choose a profession and then you decide whether you're going to be great at it or you're just going to sort of, you know, show up and punch the card. And, um, you know, I've, I've always excelled because of hard work from, you know, the beginning uh, up until now, and we're constantly challenging ourselves to do it better. So when I sit down in a room full of people, I very rarely, other than people saying, Hey, um, how did you end up from there to here? And I, I see it very linear. Like I've been solving problems since I was an adult. Even mm. as a child, I was looking for, I take something apart, fix it, put it back together. 
I think that is the, that's the absolute essential skill of a paramedic is to quickly assess the situation and to fix the things that are broken. And then hopefully the patient turns around as a result. So yeah, I, I do think it helps. I think more than anything, um, people find it interesting. And when you're interesting to people, conversations flow much easier. So I would tell anybody, it's important to build your resume, but you know, like Jesse Itzler says, build your life resume too. Like have a story or a conversation you can start by some trip you took or some experience you had, um, you know, write a story so that when you are sitting down with somebody who's like, I don't know if I like you, make me like you, then <laughs> sure. I might go into business with you. I mean, I, I, that has always been, you know, when people hear some of the wacky things that happen on an ambulance, they just like, you're kidding me. And I'm like, no, that's, that's, that's how it works. That's how these, these things, that's how that sausage is made. And that usually does open up a fairly honest and, and uh, I think earnest sort of dialogue. Uh, well, before we're done, I'm going to ask, I have to ask you for one of the wacky stories, I think. But, okay. Uh, well, I'll, I'll think of one that's appropriate for video. <laughs> that, that'll be perfect. Um, but, in, but I do also, I mean, kind of want to go at least down this path that we've already kind of gone on here. I want to talk more about some of your experience just as, as a COO. Sure. Tell me a little bit about how select communications has had to innovate or has innovated in the time that you've been there. So luckily we, because of the business we're in, um, we are a 100% distributed workforce. And we made that commitment years ago because the last thing we wanted was to confine who we were going to add to our team geographically. Mm. Um, I think it's, it's really old style thinking to go, okay, let's, uh, let's hire the very best people. And I'm sure they all live within a commute's distance of the office. I mean, if you're still thinking that way, you, you, uh, you have vastly under, um, you've, you've, you've cut your candidate pool exponentially. So we've always thought, find people in the markets that they're connected, that, that have a, you know, a relationship locally, and then bring them into our fold. So we were always a distributed workforce. Um, and, and so COVID didn't affect us. I mean, truly, it just didn't affect us really much at all operationally. Um, what we did watch was we watched our customers who had been our customers for, you know, 10 or 12 years. And they've been like a foot in, a foot out of this whole like telecommute slash, you know, work from anywhere type concept. And they were doing light video and they were trying to do a WebEx every now and then instead of flying out for meetings. And then here comes COVID. It was like, it went mm. straight from Pop Warner to the NFL, right? And you mm -hmm. just had to do it. And I, I say this a lot because I'm also on my local school board. I, I've watched our teachers determine um, how to teach what they used to teach in public and face-to-face -face over video. And I've been watching the business world trying to figure out how to do that for decades. And our teachers just did it. They just had to do it. And did. I mean, they ripped that bandaid off and nobody understands, at least to the extent that I think we do, how hard a pivot that really is. Like it sure. is exponentially hard. And um, so we've watched a lot of businesses make the jump and then sort of like now they're sort of taking deep breaths to figure out where they are. But this thing is never the same. Um, the, the arc that we were watching for years, um, just, you know, we hockey sticked in the direction of, and by the way, this is all good things. I mean, when we're through COVID, people are going to really appreciate the gains that we've made. And there'll be a mm -hmm. big, you know, knee jerk back to face to face when that's the way to do it. Uh, but then people will start to leverage the tools that we force them into and, and you will see a complete shift. And, and if you think about it, we've really now given the American workforce 
tools that they've had in their back pocket for years in a way that they've never known they could use them before. And I honestly think that uh, we're going to see massive uh, improvements in the way we all do business as a result of it. So th- those have been some of the big ones. And I feel bad because I can hear these guys going like, I just spent, you know, I, I spend $22,000 a month on the internet connection into my office. Mm. And now everybody has to connect through their Comcast modems at home and <laughs> everything sounds like crap. And I'm going like, yeah, that's really unfortunate. Um, but now we're really starting to see them say, okay, how do I hedge my bets so that I'm I'm sort of, you know, nomadically diverse and I can let people work from the car or from the, you know, I mean, gosh, what if we could just cut down traffic? Mm. I mean, how ridiculous is a commute right now? Sure. If you're an office worker, aren't you going like, I'm never doing that again. I'm never going to do that again. You're, you yeah. can't make me get back in, in a line of cars ever again. Oh, it's so funny that you say that because my, uh, you know, I mean, I do this podcasting stuff, but I also have a full-time job uh, at, at a software company uh, here in Cleveland. And we, you, we were the same. Oh yeah, absolutely. So we did the same thing. Like we, we, we have uh, offices and employees all over the world. And so a lot of them were already working from home, but we have a very large campus here. And uh, there was, you know, hundreds and hundreds of us on campus. And, but, and we were able, we had to turn on a dime and just send everybody home. And very quickly they realized, wow, we, this, we could do this. Like we could just do this. And they, they actually asked who really wants to come back. And I was like, not me. I have a 45 minute commute. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm happy to stay here. Now there's stuff I have to go in for, but uh, you know, when, 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 when it's time, I will have to go in for, cause I'm a video producer. So I actually have to go in and shoot video. Okay. But now think about before COVID, who was the advocate for you know, open like d- distance collaboration. Who is the advocate for, I don't care if you jump on a video call, but we're in the boardroom and you're walking through the park. I mean, who, who championed that? It was almost looked down upon as, I mean, are you working from home? Like, <laughs> uh, and now we're starting to see this decrease in demand around professionalism and around, you know, you can now take a, a zoom call from your dining room table and nobody like, turns their nose at you. Sure. That's what we needed. It's funny. Like I heard just recently, um, I think it's the CIA, the CIO of the, uh, of the Buccaneers who said um, the, the biggest transition wasn't around technology. They had just done massive projects with Verizon around be- becoming like a smart facility for events. And she goes, the, the, the largest transition had nothing to do with the, with the technology. It had everything to do with the user. And that's what we were seeing. We're like, you know, you can do, a, you can have a much more engaging um, meeting with folks over the internet, over tools like this, than you could having everybody in the same room. Um, you just have to decide that they're equitable, that they're the mm-hmm. same, or, you know what I mean? And that's what we were missing. And hopefully now people get that. I like this. I, I like being able to take a meeting when I'm not there, just as if I would um, if I were in the room. And I like that, you know, to be on equal ground as everyone else. So that's what we're hoping will stick. Mm. So has we this been, that. would you say this has been a tipping point or has been, have there been other tipping points throughout the history of the company that you can call back to, to see kind of where this was, you know, kind of the secret to your guys' success? We, we've had a couple. One tipping point was we originally sold dial-in conferencing. Mm. So everyone's been on a conference call. You know, you punch the pin, you're in the call. And all that is traditionally billed out just by minute. And here comes your bill for however many calls you had. And those are all strung out as minutes. And that's that service, right? Um, that was growing. 
and we were looking at what was next. And, and a lot of the unified community, like Zoom is a great example. I mean, the audio comes as a part of the video meeting and you're not paying per minute for us to be able to talk. So we saw that, that sun rising and we thought, boy, I mean, we're going to abandon a model we know. We're going to look away from a secure revenue source towards something bigger. And in fact, we're going to put ourselves out of business on the other application. And that was a very difficult. I mean, it's all—it's easy to jump when everything's sinking. It's really hard to jump when things are going really well and you're mm. trying to read the tea leaves. So that was our first pivot. And it was hard moving from selling a commodity like that to becoming more of a consultative partner took a, a lot of work. We lost a lot of our sales folks, the folks that were in front of our customers and engagements because they couldn't make that that jump. And we had to have hard conversations and look at each other straight in the eye going, are we doing this wrong? Um, but things have really, really, I mean, we've shown that there's tremendous value in being a partner, not a product. Um, so that was our first pivot. Around COVID, I really do see the pivot is, is, is not so much for the technology use. It's now how do you manage mm-hmm. these folks? I mean, those are the calls we got initially was, okay, look, I've got this like 22-year-old workforce that I'm not sure they're going to work if I tell them they don't have to come in where I can see them. I'm not sure they'll, they'll even wear pants. How do I manage them now when my entire structure was really under my thumb style? And that's what we're trying to help companies now realize is how do I install mechanisms that prove that efficient work is being done and that productivity hasn't dipped? Um, and I think they all expected it was just going to be, you know, lights out and you couldn't get anybody on the phone because they were snowboarding. And they're realizing that, you know, when you when you ask somebody to work, um, at a pace and in an environment they're comfortable, they, they can in most cases be more productive. So we're trying to help customers now see how do I change my, my sort of observational leadership style into something that's more coachable, that's more or more coaching, I should say, and, and, uh, and maybe follows a bit more of a, hey, get it done, you know, at a pace that makes sense, but I want to make sure that we're still working on it kind of thing. And that's, that's I think, right now the pivot we're seeing a lot of customers go through. And, and people don't want to be micromanaged, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when they're working remote. They just really don't. And the ones that do feel micromanaged start looking for other opportunities. Well, as, as a company that ha- was already uh, kind of distributed around the country, um, can you give some tips uh, on how you how how to manage a, a, an organization like that uh, so yeah just like um, one or two just some, i know it's probably yeah, a no, lot no, of- <laughs> no that's that's a really good i th- let's let's start with um first setting expectations right mm-hmm. um letting go of the idea of let me count your hours um as opposed to let's talk about what needs to be accomplished and making this more like everybody needs a hand on the rope so we can all pull this thing in the right direction I think um, it's res- a responsible uh, manager is going to have some sort of KPI that they can track throughout the day to make sure that we're getting closer to the goalposts than we were yesterday. Um, but it, I think it's hard for somebody who's managed an hourly employee to think about what time were you here and what time did you leave and how long was your lunch? I mean, mm-hmm. I think you've got to really start to trust these folks. You can't hover over their their presence light and every time it turns yellow, call them to see if they're still working. I think what you have to do is really start thinking more about what's the throughput, what's the expectation. Um, I, I think leaders have to really now start focusing on their why. And I know Simon Sinek for years has tried to make sure you like, don't talk about the how, don't talk about the what, talk about the why, get people excited about the mission. And that's hard because to communicate the why 
requires a lot of effort on behalf of those of us that lead. But if you want the best output, you've just got to, you, you've got to sort of like, um, uh, gosh, what's the word? Like, you've got to get them to join the war. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? You've got, mm -hmm. you've got to draft them into the vision so that they now have some form of, yeah, I'm in. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing is you also have to be thoughtful about if, <laughs> if there's, a group of people and one is falling short, you've, you've got to start to manage that behavior fairly quickly. Because what we've learned is if you want thoroughbreds, they don't typically hang out with donkeys. That's a great Dave Ramsey quote. But mm -hmm. I mean, that's true. I mean, nobody wants to be a high performer and then look over and see this person. You know, she's got like, you know, donut powder all over their face. <laughs> and they're like, I, you know, I don't know. I'm just here for the check. I mean, you, you have to manage those people out. But we've, we've learned that if you hire the right people, you get them excited about the reason you exist. They'll do the work because they want to. That's great. Yeah. No, I think that's really good advice. Thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. <laughs> tell, uh, before we we're, we're running out of time, so I want to make sure, sure that you have a chance to tell everybody how they can find you guys and, uh, and how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, so we're doing a lot of good stuff on LinkedIn. We, we put out quite a few articles. I, there's an ebook available right now that's actually about this. It's the uh, IT Leaders Guide, uh, and it's our post-COVID revision. So there's a lot of great information there about emerging technologies. We're seeing some incredible things in the contact center space. Um, really just amazing technologies around um, improving customer experience. So if you've got folks that are calling into a group of folks on a daily basis and you want that to be a great experience, there's some really incredible innovations in that space right now. So I would say check that out. Um, LinkedIn is, you know, we're fairly active in terms of what we post there in our, in our uh, uh, company page as well. So there's a lot there. You'll find us on Twitter. I don't know the handles, but, you know, uh, Twitter and Facebook are also places that we typically put um, put out content. So either of those three would be easy to find us. And and you wanted to talk about your the I think you called it the Pathfinder the tool that you guys have. Yeah. So we actually have an application where again I could sit and ask you, tell me what's what's got you up at night. What do you? Where is your organization hit the ceiling? And all within you know a single sort of encounter. I could show you um, phone and unified communication carriers that are rising up in that space, the communication space stuff we were just talking about, as well as a fiber map that stretches across the United States and up into uh, you know other other countries. Um, very quickly, essentially bring a ton of intellectual property around a project you might own, and then even render out some some documents that help you say, okay, here's the top five carriers for us to start conversations with if we want to, let's say, replace our MPLS network with something that's more fiber and SD-WAN based, or if we want to shrink our cost around our current phone system, um, here's five carriers that will meet our needs for security, will we'll be located in data centers that are nearby us, and all those types of things. It's it's essentially like you know meeting with a live RFP where you say, who don't you want to talk to? Mm. Um, what is your budget? And then we can distill that down into some really like heat map, a, a really sh nice short list of you to start those conversations with. And then from there, it becomes very easy. So I would say absolutely get with somebody on our team, bring them your problem, give them a chance to show you what's out in the market, and then we can start all those conversations for you. That's great. Well, it sounds like you guys are doing some great work over there. I appreciate you being on the show and sharing uh, your experiences with others and, uh, and for spending time with us today. Absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity and it was great chatting with you. You as well. And we thank you, as always, for listening to What Makes Them Tip, innovations that changed everything. Please join us again next time. 
Thank you for listening to our show, What Makes Them Tip, innovations that changed everything. If you're an entrepreneurial leader and you'd like to share the inspiration that changed everything in your business or venture, please visit arkalea.com slash guest and a small request. If you've liked this interview, please help us out by sharing this episode with a friend or on social with the hashtag Arkalea. You can also help us out right now by providing a review in your podcast player and a thumbs up or rating review would help a ton. We promise to read every word and it helps us improve a little bit each day. And while you're at it, please also subscribe because every week you're going to be inspired and learn from other leaders in bite-sized increments. Again, my name is Mike Strada. Let's connect either on social or stay up to date on all things business at arcalea.com. Thanks again for listening and thank you for being part of the over 99% of America's firms that make up the entrepreneurial community. Until next time.